All right. Well, good morning. So if you will, please turn with me in your Bibles or you can look in the back of your bulletin um, to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. That's John 20, 24 to 31. This is the word of the Lord. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them, the disciples, when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, His disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us this morning, that as we talk, as we look at your word, as we think upon it, that you would apply it to our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and just make us more mindful, that we would respond with Thomas and say, my Lord and my God, it's true that you have risen And there are implications of that. And we can live in the good of that. And that we can have life, eternal life in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So every Easter, we greet each other saying, He is risen. And we've done it here already. And I'm sure that many of you, as you were coming in, said it to friends or family members this morning. But if you stopped to really think about the radical nature of what you're saying... It's kind of strange. It's like we're saying that someone, namely Jesus, has risen from the dead. And that's a radical claim. People don't make a habit of getting up once they're dead. Uh, They don't come back. And while we know that it is absolutely, unequivocally true, it's still astonishing. It's still out of the ordinary. And we today have the luxury of reading about these events after the fact. It it has distance. We know the truth that Jesus isn't dead, but that he is alive. But I invite you this morning to think of how Thomas must have felt at the beginning of this passage. He had lived and traveled with Jesus for the preceding three years. He'd seen Christ perform all sorts of miracles, casting out demons, healing the sick, and even raising Lazarus from the dead. In fact, when Jesus was headed to do that very thing, to raise Lazarus in Bethany, all of the disciples were concerned for Jesus' safety because the Jews, last time Jesus was there, tried to stone him. But you know what Thomas said? He said, let's go with him, that we may die with him. 
Thomas was so fiercely devoted to Christ that he was like, I am all in. And if Jesus is going and he dies, it's better that I die with him than be left. Thomas loved Jesus. But in this moment where we pick up the story to Thomas, he had seen Jesus die and that was it. And that's bleak. The very worst in his mind had happened. The friend he had loved, the friend he thought would bring redemption, that would deliver them, had been executed on a cross and then buried in a tomb. Jesus was dead and Thomas was alive, left wondering. And I think if we're truly honest with ourselves, we can all at some level identify with his doubt and understand how hard it would have been to believe. Have you had those moments where it seemed like all of your hopes, the things that you had put the most anticipation or the most just you anticipated and looked forward to thing were suddenly crushed? What did you do in that moment? What happened to your faith? Perhaps you found yourself in the midst of a broken relationship that just didn't live up to what it should have been or what you'd hoped or set out for it to be. Maybe you got laid off from a job you loved and you didn't know why or what to do next. Perhaps you've experienced the death of someone you loved, whether that's a close friend or a grandmother who cared for you. Maybe you've been silently dealing with life after a miscarriage. No matter what you've suffered through, it can like change and color our view of God in this world and what is and isn't true. Did that happen to you in those moments? Have you had those moments where you doubted, where you said, is this real? Are God's promises true? Is he there and does he care for me? I know I have. 11 years ago, I was diagnosed with a disease called disseminated histoplasmosis. And it's basically a fungus had taken hold in my lungs and then spread throughout the entirety of my body. And at 21 years old, I found myself in a hospital bed with my body starting to shut down. And it would have been fatal had the doctors not intervened. And as a 21-year-old guy, I was like, is this it? Is, Is my life over? And what legacy do I have? Is that all I can contribute? And there were many times I doubted in those times. But one of the things I remember most and the things that brought me the most hope was the Psalms. And it meant so much to me that the psalmists were honest with God and they didn't sugarcoat things. They said what they were feeling and that resonated with my heart and it brought peace and it helped my doubt. One of them, Psalm 88 says, from my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken me from, or you have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. Have you felt that? Have there been moments when you felt engulfed or like darkness in that moment is your closest friend? If so, know that God invites us to come to him with it. He wants us to come to him with all of our doubts, with all of our concerns and our issues. He already knows them. 
He knows us. He knew us before we were even born. And he cares. He loves you. He loves each and every one of you dearly. And he cares that sin has infected this world and that we all deal with its sullying, festering presence every single day of our lives. He cares. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus, to die and to live for you because he cares about you. So friends, when darkness closes in, when it feels like it is your closest friend, remember Jesus. It's a hard thing to do. But first you can pray. You can tell your griefs to God. And it doesn't have to be buttoned up. It doesn't have to sound churchy. They don't have to be well-phrased prayers. They don't even have to be coherent. Because God says he gives the spirit to utter the groanings that we can't even express before God the Father. And then after that, avail yourselves of the other means of grace that God has provided. Find fellowship. Find community with other believers. If that seems intimidating to like start with all of the believers, maybe just start with one Christian whom you know, who you can trust. Get together with them and talk and be honest. Talk about scripture. Encourage one another. Fellowship is a means of God's grace in our lives and it can help doubt. It can help unbelief. And then come to church, partake of the sacraments, the Lord's Supper and baptism. Dig into God's word. It's where truth is. And while it's nothing magical, it won't immediately take away or ameliorate doubt. It will help. It will remind you of God's truth, of his plan and of his care for you. And this side of eternity will still struggle. It will never go away entirely because the world is broken by sin and we feel that. But there is hope in Christ. We can be assured of his love and his care. We can even see this very love in our passage this morning. So if you look back at verse 27, Christ shows up before Thomas and it's like he says, here I am, touch and see and believe. Jesus didn't condemn him for doubting. There was no moment where Jesus was like, Thomas, what's up? They they told you I was alive. Instead, he lovingly holds out his hands and he's like, here I am, touch and believe. And you know, Thomas responded. His doubt was relieved at that moment. And he responded in the most simple and theologically profound confession of faith. He says, my Lord and my God. Because when confronted with the unmistakable evidence of the truth of the resurrection, Thomas responded, Lord and God, the one whom I follow, the one who made me, my maker and creator, that is beautiful. And right after his confession, Jesus responds, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I think it's worthy to stop for a moment and say, what, what is Jesus saying here? It makes, makes you think. Is he somehow slighting Thomas, like saying he should have believed without seeing? I don't think so. He's not discounting Thomas's belief. Instead, as D.A. Carson puts it, Thomas's faith is not depreciated. Rather, it is as if the step of faith Thomas has taken displayed in his unrestrained confession triggers in Jesus's mind the next step, the coming to faith of those who cannot see, but who will believe. And so he pronounces a blessing on them. 
And then in verses 30 to 31, John goes on to say that while all, why all this was recorded in the first place. Look again with me. He says in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but there, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's awesome. God saw fit to record this interaction with Thomas so that we might have life in Jesus. He wanted us to know that Jesus is truly risen from the grave. He wanted us to see that Thomas had real doubts and that Jesus met them head on without chastisement, but with love and with consideration. These things are written so that we might see Christ for who he is our Lord, our God, and our hope. So friends, we may not be able to physically see Christ Jesus today, but we are still blessed because we are part of those people who have not seen that Christ pronounced a blessing upon. We have his very word right here in the pages of scripture. We can read it and study it and learn from it that's a blessing. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And we know from scripture that the Holy Spirit indwells each and every believer convicting us and helping us and carrying our concerns and prayers before God, the Father. We are blessed. That's not the end of it, because we have the church. We have each other. We show one another Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that as believers, we're all members of the body of Christ and that he is the head of that body. Think about that. When you're hurting, when you're doubting, when darkness feels like it is your closest friend, we have the church. The church family can gather around you And you, in a very real way, can experience the work of Christ here on earth. When we reach out to those in the community and provide food for those in need or shelter for the homeless or a listening ear for those who need it, are we not exhibiting Christ's love and his care? It is as if the hands, the nail-pierced hands of Christ are still moving and active, even though Jesus is not physically present, because his body, those who believe, are still active. We are still here. We are his church doing his work. So today we have said he is risen, and that is truth. But as you go out this morning, think about the full reality, the full import of that statement. It's radical. It probably sounds weird to people who don't come to church often. But our Savior, Jesus Christ, is not dead. He rose from the grave. He appeared to the disciples, including Thomas, and it is recorded in Scripture so that we might believe. So today, do that. Believe in Christ. Trust him. When you have doubts, when things are bleak, when darkness is your closest friend and your soul is weary, relish the truth and comfort 
of his word. Join with other believers, his church, and be his living hands and feet here on this earth. Remember Thomas and find hope in the reality that Christ is risen indeed. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our Lord and our God. It's not just words. And we want to follow you. We want to recognize, as Thomas did, that you have triumphed over the grave in such a way that just by believing, you have given us life and life eternal. We thank you for that. And we love you and we praise you. And we ask that today that you would make our hearts glad in that reality and that you would give us true and lasting peace. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.